today on the Dental Experience Podcast. They actually brought in zoo animals, giraffes, and elephants, and lions. Just to, we want to add value to dental practices is our goal right now. Yeah, transparency and security. I hated that presentation. You were involved in a crazy party with Bill Gates on Miami Beach. The company was just in this sort of crazy growth mode. And my schedule's not full enough. Use your data. Like 50% of people don't go to the dentist on the annual basis. People getting a higher multiple on a practice value. They'll also accept about twice the amount of treatment. Amount of treatment. This. this is the Dental Experience Podcast. Here's your host, Ryan Vett. Welcome to another episode of the Dental Experience Podcast. I'm excited to have with me a very special guest, an entrepreneur, someone who's really knowledgeable about startups and knowledgeable about dentistry as well, Dave Monahan, the CEO of Clear. Welcome, Dave. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you. I, we met back in July of this year at the Dental Economics Conference. We were on a panel together talking about practice marketing and practice growth. And afterwards, you and I shared lunch and had a great conversation about some of the startups you've done and some of your, your work history. So do you mind talking a little bit about uh, your journey that's gotten you to this point and how you ended up becoming a dental industry professional? Uh, sure. Uh, so I'll try to keep it brief, but I actually began my career uh, on the engineering side. Uh, I won't go through all that, but spent uh, probably five, six, seven years working on some advanced avionics and systems development uh, for a defense contractor. I got the itch to move into the business side. I actually ended up at Microsoft. Uh, I spent about nine years at Microsoft, and it was back in the uh, late 90s into the 2000s, 2006, 2007 area. It was a crazy time for Microsoft. I learned an absolute ton there and really enjoyed my time there. Got some good exposure to a variety of businesses and people. And then I got the entrepreneurial bug. I left Microsoft. Uh, it was an interesting transition away from Microsoft. They thought I was insane. Uh, and I uh, started a company. It was called Fitlinks. Uh, and we created wearable devices way before wearable devices were sort of known. I ended up selling that business in 2016. Uh, and my sort of intro into the dental market, I was in transition after we sold the company. I was actually planning on taking some time off. And I ran into somebody who owns six dental practices. And sort of the net is he shared some high level information with me that I think everybody on this podcast understands, but like 50% of people don't go to the dentist on the annual basis. Uh, I right. was like back then they were talking about 50% of people don't have dental insurance. And I was shocked. And they also started describing uh, how hard it was for a dentist to, to make money uh, given insurance and the fees schedules and things like that. So I was intrigued. I thought it was very interesting. So I, I spent about nine months doing market research, hiring some different firms, trying to understand what the market, uh, you know, sort of dynamics were. And then we built clear based on that market research. Well, that's super exciting. And I think you've really lived the entrepreneurial dream that so many people wish to have, whether they're a startup in the dental space that's offering services to dental practices or dentists starting their own practice that really want that, that have either left a corporate dental practice to go start their own or are fresh out of school and trying to figure out how to make a successful practice. I, I think that entrepreneurial journey is extremely exciting. But while you were still in the corporate world, you were involved in a crazy party with Bill Gates on Miami Beach, if I've heard correctly. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your time at Microsoft and just some of those experiences that you had there that really shaped some of your journey and allowed you to be who you are today, both personally and professionally? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, Microsoft was a, uh, it absolutely molded uh, me and, and uh, you know, probably created some very, very good habits and a few bad habits, but 
sort of net at Microsoft at that time, that was the sort of the heyday of Microsoft. It was when Windows became the standard, Office became the standard. Uh, the, the, the company was just in this sort of crazy growth mode. And uh, we were hiring people left and right. I mean, thousands of people. Uh, and sort of the, the uh, coming back to the, uh, so when I got, as part of that, I actually got to spend some time uh, at the executive level within Microsoft. I ran a few of the businesses uh, and sort of had access to a lot of different people there. Uh, I spent some time, as you mentioned, with uh, with Bill Gates, also uh, Steve Ballmer, who was the CEO at the time. Uh, and when you, when you go back to that, you're talking about Miami Beach. The company actually used to do these huge uh, company meetings on an annual basis. And they were typically four or five days long. And they would pick a city and basically take it over. Uh, and 50,000 Microsoft people would land in the city. And so the, the you mentioned Miami Beach. Uh, so that, that year in Miami Beach, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but probably 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. But basically they took over Miami Beach. And uh, as part of the overall uh, you know, three or four days, they basically locked down the bars and the clubs in Miami Beach and only Microsoft employees could go to them and they had shuttles going from place to place. And then the last day of the of the meeting, they actually rented out the whole of Miami Beach, the beach itself. Uh, and they basically brought in bands and uh, they actually brought in zoo animals. You could you walk around and see, you know, giraffes and elephants and lions and uh, and Bill Gates was there and he was hanging out and we would be just, it was just amazing. It was going to be casual walking around to Miami beach and there's Bill Gates and you can have a drink with him and hang out and talk with him. Uh, and I had other experiences there as well, where I had lunch with him. I used to play basketball with, uh, Steve Ballmer. Uh, and it was a, a lot of fun and people thought I was insane. I'm fairly tall, but so I played center, he played center. So we were, uh, head up against each other. Uh, he used to hack like you wouldn't believe a lot of fun, wow. but in the ribs, he would, he would hit you in the knee. He would do what he needed to do uh, to try to be successful. But I would battle back, and it was funny. And that's People why he was the CEO of Microsoft. Yeah, he was the CEO of Microsoft at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And people thought I was crazy, but I'd block his shot and take shots on him. And people said my career was going to be limited by doing that. But it was a, a <laughs> lot of fun. That's fantastic. I just can't even imagine seeing an elephant or a giraffe on Miami Beach. I mean, that's, that's got to be a sight to see. Absolutely. And as part of that, it was uh, the, those, the party was going all night. So there was like a Wednesday night and basically the beach was rented out to Microsoft for the, the, the whole of the night. I don't know how they got approval for this. And they would have fire. We had fireworks at like three or four a.m. on Miami Beach with all this going on. It was uh, it was a crazy time. So is clear looking to rent out a beach anytime soon and bring in zoo animals at maybe ADA Hawaii? Uh, that was this past week. Did you guys do that there? Not no. We're, we got our our uh, sites are set a little bit lower right now. Just to, we want to add value to dental practices is our goal right now. Oh, okay. I mean that's good. But I, I hope someday uh, I'll be invited to a clear party if if that ever does come to fruition. Absolutely. I was actually flying through Atlanta a couple of years ago, and Microsoft had another one of their big events in Atlanta, just like that. And I missed my connecting flight. I forget. I was coming from the West Coast, headed back to the East Coast. And they had to drive me 25 miles outside of the city to find an airport or a hotel rather for me to stay in because Microsoft had taken over downtown Atlanta and all the nearby hotels to the airport. So uh, I know I, Microsoft definitely goes big when they, they do these large events. So that's absolutely incredible. And, and what lessons did you learn uh, at your time there? If you had one or two takeaways that are applicable to both FitLinks and now to Clear and that you think would be applicable to the listeners in their dental practices, whether they're 
owners, whether they're associates, whether they're doing a startup dental practice or working corporate dental, uh, what is some advice or some tidbits you have for those people based on your experiences so far? Yeah, so uh, there were two main sort of uh, lessons I came out of uh, with my, at Microsoft. And one of them was actually learned the first week I joined Microsoft. So Microsoft is known for throwing you into the fire. Uh, and there's a six-month period when you first join where they expect you to burn. And they want to see, can you stand up and sort of take it? And so the so think about this for a second. So I actually, at the time, I was uh, reporting to the vice president of who ran all of Canada and central part of the U.S. It was, I don't know, $6 billion business, something like that, but huge territory. And they have annual reviews with uh, Steve Ballmer, the CEO, and Bill Gates. And so we are in a room. It's a, you know, just a typical conference room. I'm one weekend. I sit down. I'm sitting next to the vice president. Across the table from me is Steve Ballmer staring at me. And I need to intro for the whole year what's happened to the business, what's going well, what's not going well. Wow. And so that's intimidating. <laughs> All right. Let's give it a try. So, on the first 15 minutes, by the way, this is a 12 hour meeting. It goes from 8 a.m. Oh, to 8 p.m. And I have the first 15 minutes of it. And so I present some slides and try to do the best I can to explain what's going on. And in the interim, and while this is happening, I'm talking, Steve Palmer pulls off his tie, he throws his shoes off, his hair's all messed up. I'm like, this is not going well. And so I get done, and he his first comments were, I hated that presentation. And I was like, oh, my God, I lasted a week, right? Here I go. And, I, and then he, the, here's the lesson, though. I presented a bunch of problems to him. And I did not give him a solution. And he said, I get the problems, but don't ever present to me problems without a solution. And so you grind to this day, I will never present a problem without a solution. Uh, absolutely. I think that's huge. Like, and, it, you know, applying it to anybody's business, you know, it's, you know, you can complain about stuff, you can find issues, but if you don't take that next step and try to figure out what you're going to do about it and then enact that. You're just not, you're wasting your time. You might as well not even think about it. So, so that was a huge lesson. The, the other lesson was know your numbers, know what's going on in your business, know the base level of, you know, information about your patients, your, you know, what, what, you know, procedures people are, are, are purchasing, you know, what, what type of reimbursement you're getting. Like there's a tre treasure trove of data in each dental practice in the practice management software. And I've seen almost nobody use it. At Microsoft, it ran the businesses. Like you would have to know your data. And another example, so I'll fast forward a year. So one year into Microsoft, and I'm presenting at this point, I'm pretty, you know, solid in knowing the business. But as part of it, they have this template you have to present. And it's all numbers. And Ryan, it is to the point where there's probably 500 numbers on a piece of paper is what you're presenting. Uh, just like a huge spreadsheet. And they liked it that way. And Bill Gates is in the meeting. And he looks at the spreadsheet. It was amazing to me. He doesn't know anything about our business really at a detailed level. He looked at the spreadsheet and he found an error in one of the cells. So he's just looking at the piece of paper. He goes, that, that, that calculation is wrong. That's he, incredible. <laughs> it was wrong. I put a bad formula in one of the cells and he caught it within a minute of you know seeing the numbers. So, and basically what he was making the point of is I don't, if you present something to me and there's numbers on a piece of paper, one, that's important. We need to understand the numbers. Number two, you better know that those numbers are correct and you're basing right. your decision based on correct numbers. So my feedback to everybody is, and I've, we've actually helped some practices, you know, uh, do this is use your data. Your data is incredibly valuable. You have it. You just need to take it and use it. Absolutely. And I think one of the things when I consult with practices, it's very similar. I'll ask a question and they'll say, 
for example, how many phone calls do you miss a day? And they'll say, oh, maybe one or two. I said, is that half your calls, a third of your calls, a tenth of your calls? And they're like, oh, maybe a tenth. And you look at the numbers and you realize you're missing a third. Well, why are you missing a third? And you go into that or, uh, you know, rescheduling appointments or getting uh, making sure that your cancellations are instantly filled with someone else and all of those different things. People don't often tend to look at the numbers and see what the true meaning is behind it. And they'll often complain, my schedule is not full enough. I, my production's not where it wants to be. So it goes back to your first learning. And the reality is, look at the numbers and you can find a solution for your problem and don't just complain why your production isn't where you think it is. It could be a simple fix. And I think you've taken some of that philosophy from both of those principles and really put that into what you're doing now in the dental industry. And I think it's a really incredible platform that you have with Clear. Do you mind talking a little bit, maybe not about Clear uh, yet, we'll get to that in just a minute, but really about the whole insurance industry and dental and people not going to the dentist because of cost and just the whole finance component that goes into a patient's interaction with the dentist, because I think that's you're really doing two things. You're changing a patient's experience and perception of the cost of a dentist, and you're turning that on its head. The second thing it seems like you're doing is really maximizing practice growth and optimizing the way in which a practice can provide more options to get patients through the door and get the needed care that, uh, or the care that they need. So do you mind talking a little bit about sort of the state of patients and their view of finances in the industry? Yeah. So, and coming back to sort of that theme of understanding your data and then taking action on the data. So I, as I mentioned earlier, I spent about nine months looking into the market and it became very clear once we you dig into the data, sort of what's going on in the market and why it's hard to run a profitable, growing dental practice. So I think, you know, just a few things. Uh, the, the first piece of information we discovered, one of the first pieces was that the dental market really grew really well over the last 20 years, but dentist earnings remained flat. And I had never seen that in a market before. The market itself has grown 70% and dentist earnings were, you know, remained flat over those 20 years. It's crazy. Um, and then as you dig in, what you understand, and I know people know this at a base level, but I'm not sure if they understand it at a detailed level and understand why it, you know, it's happening. But dental insurance itself just doesn't work. And it doesn't work for your practice or your patients. And I know people sort of understand that. But when you dig into the data, about a third of people who have dental insurance never come in to the office. They, they don't get wow. any treatment. <laughs> so. That money, I and mean, people are spending on average about $500 of premiums into those dental insurance plans. A third of it just goes to the dental insurer. It doesn't go to the practice. Let's say tomorrow we could change that. And now all of a sudden, you basically have 33% growth in the market just by claiming that those premiums and putting them to care. Um, the other thing is when people are on dental insurance, they utilize it at a very low level. Um, so they, they're typically purchasing you know, two cleanings, two exams, and so on. But they typically use less than one of those. In, in any given really? year. So again, wasted money, right? And, you know, it, it's just, there's this huge blocker happening where all this money goes in dental insurance, but doesn't show up at the, uh, at the practice. Um, the, the good news, again, going into the data, the good news is if we move away from insurance for a second, there's about hundred million people in the U S who don't have insurance, dental insurance, and almost a 40% of them go to the dentist every year. So if you take a big That's step, 40 back, million people. yeah, 38, almost 40 million people go to the dentist every year uh, without insurance. Um, wow. That's a higher number than I would have guessed. Exactly. That's a, so again, go look, looking at the data, we were like, wow, that's a lot of people. So if you net that out, that's 150,000 people on any given business day walk into a, a dentist's office without insurance. So, And what are they typically getting? Do you have the, the statistics on that? Is it just a routine cleaning? Are they actually getting 
work done? What what are those 38 to 40 million people doing? So that's a great point. So we dug into that. We actually did focus groups with that with the uninsured. Uh, we did one-on-one interviews. We did a national survey through a, uh, a, a marketing company. And this is what we learned was they're coming in, but they're not compliant. Again, I know Dennis know this, but the net is they only come in when they have to or you know they feel sort of compelled to or they find some deal or whatever there's a trigger that you know brings them in which is bad right really they should be coming in on a steady basis so based on the data and we actually pulled practice data i uh, and looked at the data for multiple practices what we saw with the uninsured is they come in on average once every 2 years where an insured patient comes in on average 1.4 to 1.5 times a year so three times, the insured are coming in three times more than the uninsured. And the uninsured, when they're in the chair in the office, will accept less than half the treatment of an insured patient. So let's say all of a sudden we can get those uninsured in, right, on a steady basis and accepting the same amount of treatment as insured. You just, you know, doubled your revenue uh, in your practice. Um, and that's, so, that's huge. Exactly right. It's sitting there, right? These uninsured are walking in the in the office every day, but they're just not accepting the treatment that they should be accepting. So, and did your research cover any of the specific reasons why they typically would not accept that treatment? Absolutely. So we went even further into okay, what are the reasons? The number one reason by far is cost. And if we think about that for a second, it, you know, the research shows it's not just cost. Like they actually mostly uninsured don't understand costs. They, if you ask them, how much does a filling cost? How much does a crown cost? So typically overestimate by two to four times what the true cost is. They just don't know. It's you know, as I think we all know, pricing is very opaque in this market, and it's absolutely so fear the worst. I think um, we should do a prices right segment and see if uh, people can guess procedures. Do like a, a person on the street interview and see, hey, how much do you think a filling costs? And that'd be a really interesting experiment. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great idea. We did it in our research and you know, it's crazy. The range of numbers you get back is absolutely crazy. So two to four times more, the, uh, a patient is guessing a procedure is going to cost two to four times more than it actually would cost them if they were to get it done. Is, did I understand that correctly? Absolutely. Yeah. So how are some of the ways that you then debunk those myths? Because part of it's patient education, which then drives case acceptance. And we know that across the board, whether it's an insured or uninsured patient. But how do you educate these patients and how do you provide opportunities for them to see a new way in which that they, they can approach dental care that is affordable or at least maybe approachable? Yeah, so that's exactly where our research went. So it was great. You know, we sort of understand some information. Now, the question is, how do you t- act on it, right? What do you do about it? And so we actually would interview them uh, again on the next level, which is, okay, if you could find something that, you know, you know, that would be better suited for you to accept dental care, what would it look like? And what they came back with was 90% of them. So 90% are interested in a dental care plan of some sort, but they want it. Here's the thing. They want it to be simple. They want it to be transparent so they can see the pricing. They want it to be obviously affordable and affordability. Actually, most people think that that means you know inexpensive or cheap. It actually doesn't. What we saw was they're actually very willing to pay typical pricing in the space. They just don't know what the pricing is. So what it came to back to Ryan was they're expecting a consumer experience, just like if they went and you know you, know, you think about Uber or Amazon Prime or you know whatever you want to think about in that regard is their expectation is something should be simple, affordable, easy to use, easy to manage, transparent. Uh, and if they were able to get that, then they would commit to treatment. 
is the net of it. So they would come in for the two cleanings or exams. And, and by the way, we saw when these, these plans are put in place that they don't not only come in just like an insured patient. So that 1.4 to 1.5 times I was talking about coming in on an annual basis. The, what we saw was if they get these type of plans and we, you know, the typical called, typically called membership plans, they come in just like an insured patient. So they'll come in 1.4, 1.5 times a year. They'll also accept about twice the amount of treatment when they're in the office. So what sort of the net of it all is, they want to feel covered. They want to feel like they're on the other side of the rope, that they they understand what's going on. They're not fearful of pricing anymore. Uh, the pricing is reasonable. Uh, and they just want to feel like they have somebody looking after them and not just being fearful of getting treatment. And with yeah. So really, you're looking at transparency and security essentially are two key components when it comes to financing that patients feel the need to have in order to make a, a buying decision. Is that sort of what you're, you've boiled it down to? Yeah, exactly. So they expect some, you know, what I would call coverage and peace of mind that they have something that's valuable that gives them what they need from a care perspective with some type of deal. Everybody likes a deal, right? So right. think of it as if you think of things like Amazon Prime or Costco or Netflix or Spotify, that I'm part of a program, right? I'm buying into it. I'm paying a subscription. I get certain services for that. That's what they're looking for. It really boils down to that uh, level of simplicity. That's fascinating, Dave. And I love that you did your research extremely well. And the first two philosophies that you, you've said you've learned in business have carried through to what you're doing now. You knew the numbers and you're not just addressing or you're not just calling out a problem, but you're actually solving it. And I love that you've done that and you've done your research so well and you know the industry so well, not just what the dentist can benefit from, but also what's really beneficial to the patient. I love that. One of the things before we get into what Clear does specifically that I, I want to bring up is this idea going back to startups. Startups are often valued on a recurring revenue model, especially now more than ever. And you're starting to see this idea of a multiple on whatever your guaranteed monthly revenue is. And one of the things that Clear does or any sort of membership program does, and we'll get into the details of Clear in a minute, but they provide that recurring revenue for a, a practice. Do you mind sharing a little bit about the statistics on the value that some sort of regular recurring payment adds to a practice? Absolutely. Yeah. So, and you're absolutely right. So, uh, and there's books out there, if, if anybody wants to read up on them, there's one called The Membership Economy, and there's another one called The Automatic Customer. And what the, the books are basically saying is subscription businesses, uh, subscriptions are coming to every business. And you think about it, you know, in your life, it's come to retail, right? It's come to music. It's come to, you know, rides, car rides, and so on and so forth that, you know, basically, you know, people expect a certain level of service and they expect to be paying for that, you know, as, as they use the service and, you know, they subscribe to it. So that is, these are real and they're out there and they're becoming part of every industry. And what uh, the data shows is that if you're part of a subscription or membership, you purchase, you know, twice as much as what you typically purchase. That's sort of what the sort of net is uh, from wow. that sort of Exactly. It's amazing. And and think about it. Again, I, I mentioned things like Amazon Prime or, or you think about Marriott Awards or, you know, American Airlines Awards or whatever. You typically get very loyal to those plans that you're part of. And that's where you purchase. I think about myself, right? I, I, I almost never buy anything that I know I can buy bulk at Costco. So you won't see me buying bottles of water anywhere else, right? Uh, exactly. I order almost everything, everything on Amazon Prime now. It's, it's insane how that's taken over my uh, how I purchase things. And and so, you know, think about your practice in the same way. 
if somebody is going to join your your practice and be part of your membership plan, they're going to be loyal to you. They're not going to go to somebody else's practice. They're going to be part of what you do. And you got to treat them special as well. But so then that is coming back to the, the data and the research. What you see is when you build up a subscription business, your business itself is going to be valued at a much higher rate than if you don't have a subscription business. So what the, those books I, I mentioned, Membership Economy and Automatic Customer, they looked at a lot of businesses and the businesses that get subscription revenue going uh, are worth two to five times more than a non-subscription business. That's how they get valued. Because, And the reason is, you think about it logically, you can, with a very high level of probability, predict the revenue for the following year that's coming up. And that takes risk away from a buyer of purchasing a business. So they'll value that much higher than you know something that's like an insured patient who comes in from time to time, not really committed to your practice, may or may not come in. If they don't come in, you don't get paid. Absolutely. And I think that's something important to point out to anyone that's starting a practice or someone that might be ending their career or looking to get out of their practice. Membership plans or recurring revenue is a really important way to get more value out of your practice. And I think in any startup, that's the case. But this is really one of the first ways in dentistry in particular, you can see people getting a higher multiple on a practice value. And it's because of this recurring revenue or the subscription model that they have. So I think that's that's really important and something that people should heed uh, as sound advice. Now, Dave, I do want to get into a little bit about Clear now, and I would love for you to just give a high level overview of what Clear is and what it does, and then we can go into it a little bit more deeper. Deeply. Cool. Yeah, and as I say, I'll I'll make it uh, fairly brief. I don't want to uh, bore anybody. You can get information off our website, but and just to you know be clear, Clear is spelled K L E E R, and uh, you can go up to www clear.com. But if you want to get more information, but the net is we provide a platform. It's all cloud-based that makes it real easy to design and implement and manage a membership plan for your patients. So we take off, you know, you take over basically all the elements of a membership plan that, you know, will, will help it be successful. So you don't have to think about it and we make it real easy for you to implement. So the the platform has really three major components to it. Uh, The first one is, just there's an application where a practice can design their membership plan. Uh, and that we have sort of from soup to nuts, everything you need. And you pick and choose what you want to include in your plan. You can set your subscription amount. You can set your office fees, sort of everything you need uh, in order to create a, a great membership plan. And it, the process is really simple. It's online. It takes about 15 minutes. But we don't leave you alone there. You, we actually assign a, a, a clear success manager to your practice and they're there from the very beginning and they'll consult with you. They'll help you design it, make sure it sort of fits what you're trying to do with your practice and so on and so forth. So that sort of overall setup and design of a membership plan clear takes care of the second piece is once you launch is a whole portal that you use to track the patients that purchase the plan, the payment processing, you know, you, you don't need to worry about it. Clear's platform processes all the payments, all it's all taken care of. You can invite patients to join your membership plan uh, from the portal. There's lots of things you can do in a portal. It's sort of everything you need to manage the plan. And then the third component of the platform is the patient side. So a patient will we'll provide you all the marketing materials you need to put into your office to use digitally. Uh, but when a patient walks into your office, they can purchase a plan from any device. They just need to, you know, they can, we actually have a little handout you can give them. They can scan their phone over it and they can connect right to your plan where they can purchase it. It's a three-step process. It takes a minute or two, just like any other sort of consumer experience out there. And then once they join, they have a portal where they can see their benefits. They can manage their payments. They can invite 
uh, as their friends, they can add family members. But just think of Clear as taking over, you know, basically providing everything you need to be successful, both from your side and also for your patient. I love that you allow an office to totally custom brand it to their office. It's original for them, but it also allows the patient to buy in this idea of loyalty. And like we were talking a minute ago about airlines and hotels, I'm a Delta Hilton guy. You're a Marriott Airlines, American Airlines guy. But in either case, we're both loyal to our own brands because of how they treat us and how we feel like we're a member there. And I think it adds this whole other dimension to a, a practice that doesn't currently exist in many practices today. If you look at the case study with American Express, they changed all of their cardholders to members. And it totally changed uh, how much American Express was accepted at various stores. It went from one of the hardest credit cards to swipe because of fees to something that you can use almost anywhere just because they created members and this this whole different feeling to their brand. So I love that you can do that to a practice. And one of the things that I want to touch on in our last couple minutes together Dave, is this idea of who would subscribe to a membership. I've done some research on my own as I'm writing an article and surveyed over 500 people in different generations. And I I thought I had a hypothesis that a certain demographic would actually want memberships over another. And I actually was surprised to find out which demographics uh, wanted memberships and why they wanted it. So I would love to hear a little bit about your uh, data and your research on that. And then I'll share a little bit about what I've, I've discovered and we can uh, chat about that for a moment. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see. We'll see if they match. Uh, so, and, and Ryan, uh, reinforcing the message you just me- mentioned about membership. So, I think about Marriott. So, when I walk up to a Marriott counter now and check in, they always have something there for me. It can be a bottle of water, or it can be you know some food, whatever, a snack. It's amazing. Like they thought that little bit actually makes me feel comfortable, right, and makes me feel special. It's the same thing, by the way, on the uh, the dental practice side. It's not just about having the you know digital components and the platform and all that stuff. Really, to me- really make the membership work really well. When a member walks into your practice, we say shake their hand, look them in the eye, thank them. Even some practices will hand them a gift of some sort. Think of that that bottle of water I got at Marriott. They'll hand them a little you know something. Uh, this isn't just about you know technology. This is about human interaction. Uh, and right, it's changing experience. That's brilliant. It's experience, absolutely. And we provide all that guidance on what, you know, practices should be doing outside the platform, you know, patient to, to practice. And so you now coming to your, your question, so going back to the data, you know, which, which uh, demographics are a good fit? There's this huge uninsured patient base. So at a high level, uninsured patients are the primary uh, focus and fit. Right. Um, you also have underinsured uh, people who have really poor insurance plans, that this would be a better fit for them. So, but let's just focus on uninsured for a second. On the uninsured, if you look at the data, there's a huge group of uninsured patients that are the baby boomers and above. Uh, so when they uh, retire, they lose dental benefits and Medicare does not have dental benefits. So about 65% of anybody, the baby boomers and silent generation, so think, you know, 55 plus uh, will not have insurance. But they love dental care and they understand the value of dental care and they have disposable income. Uh, so what we're seeing on our platform is a huge uh, swath of baby boomers and silent generation purchase the membership plan. Then the second generation that is uh, about, you know, let's say 20 or 25 percent of the market is the millennials. So millennials, when they came into the uh, into the workforce, you know, in a great environment, uh, a number of uh, millennials started in lower end jobs, had to work their way up. But the benefits at that point when they were joining the workforce were not great. Uh, and a lot of people had either dumped or provided very poor dental benefits. 
And so there's another you know huge opportunity within the millennial space. And then the Gen X is really the third uh, group, which you know they've been in the workforce for a while. They usually you know are sort of higher up in the uh, hierarchical chain, uh, have pretty good benefits. Uh, and so you'll find uh, Gen X that need it, but not as much as you know the baby boomers, solid, solid generation of millennials. Well, it's good to hear that our, our research did conclude the same things. That's always risky trying to have you share your research and then saying what I found. But I found the same exact thing. So millennials and baby boomers or that 55 plus demographic are are the two that in my research were most interested in membership plans and said they would drastically increase their likelihood of going to the dentist, even for routine care that's necessary, uh, preventative care. And, and the reason I found in my research was the the baby boomers, exactly as you said, or that 55 plus crowd didn't have insurance, probably due to retirement or just where they are in life, but were willing to spend on a membership plan. Uh, on the other side, the millennials were so willing to subscribe to something because, first of all, they have no idea what insurance is anyway, whether or not they have it and whether or not the startup that they're a part of that day has it or not, isn't something that's on the front of their mind. But memberships, I mean, their lives are memberships. They get Blue Apron sent to their house and they get Amazon Prime and Netflix and Hulu. They don't even know what a cable subscription is. Their whole life has been built around these subscription ideas. And now they've even got cars. Car companies are doing subscriptions that instead of a a traditional lease, you can essentially always up your car. And iPhone started doing that. Apple did that with their phone program. So it was really interesting that both millennials and the baby boomers were the two most likely demographics that I found in my research to uh, in some cases, more than double the likelihood that they would accept treatment, but it was to, due to totally separate reasons, uh, but still relevant nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Ryan, some data we have on the those two generations, which is just some interesting data. Uh, the baby boomers will, if you give them the option, so as you set up your membership plan, you can decide if you have the patient pay up front for the full year of subscription or you have them pay on a monthly basis. Um, and about 75% of our practices offer the monthly. So we get good data on by generation when they get options to purchase in different ways, how do they purchase? And this is interesting. So the baby boomers, when presented both an annual and a, a monthly payment plan, 80% of them will pay up front. Up front. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And that makes the, sense. The millennial side, when given the option, over 60% of millennials pick the monthly. So isn't that crazy? Reinforces your, you know, your research, which is they're just used to monthly subscriptions, and it's just sort of what they do. And and by the way, economically, they don't have as much disposable income as a baby boomer, so that might influence as well. But it's it's really interesting to see that type of data, right? Because all their income goes straight to their uh, subscriptions. I think uh, <laughs> when when people apply for mortgages, they need to look at what subscriptions you have now, not not what's on your credit line. <laughs> That's a great point. Well, Dave, this has been a wonderful conversation, and I really appreciate your time uh, just sharing your story from animals, zoo animals on a beach, all the way to where you are now, and just the advice you've given to uh, dental practice owners, to dental practice team members, uh, and people in the dental industry, and just patients that that need dental care in a more affordable, transparent, and clear uh, both C-L-E-A-R and K-L-E-E-R way. Uh, but I would love for you to just share with the listeners in our last couple minutes here uh, how people can get in touch with you if they have questions about anything you've shared and then how people can learn more about Clear and membership programs and see if that's a fit for their practice. Cool. So, yeah, we uh, I mean, you can get a lot of information off our website, which is K-L-E-E-R.com. Uh, and on the website, you can you know, reach out to us. We have our email, our phone number, all that good stuff. You can also schedule a demo 
and it's a live demo. It's not a video or anything where somebody will get uh, on a, uh, a webinar with you or a webcast with you and, and explain the product and show you things and you answer questions and, and all that. Uh, you also can download an ebook off of our website that includes all the statistics I just went through and you know even more information than what we covered. Or if somebody wants to reach out to me, that I'm perfectly happy with that as well. You can reach me at dave at clear.com. Or you can get my cell number 610-299-6037. If you want to send me a text or give me a call, uh, just uh, just reach out. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that and being so transparent and willing to talk with people and help them improve their practices and their patient experience. I want to thank you for having you on the show today, Dave. It's been a great conversation and um, I've really enjoyed it and I think it's been beneficial to the listeners. And I want to thank you listeners for listening to another episode of the Dental Experience Podcast. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Dental Experience Podcast. For show notes, to ask a question, or for more information, visit www.thedentalpodcast.com. The ideas discussed during this episode are the opinions of the participants and do not serve as legal, financial, or clinical advice. Until next time, this is the Dental Experience Podcast.